Live from Lincoln Center in the heart of the Dallas Metroplex, this is Nip Talk. An honest and uncensored show about plastic surgery, health, beauty, and lifestyle. With your host, plastic surgeon Dr. Bruce Herman, now it's time to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the topics everyone is talking about. It's time for Nip Talk. Hey everybody, welcome to Nip Talk. I'm your host, plastic surgeon, Dr. Bruce Herman. For all those watching live and on recording, thank you very much, we do appreciate it. Today I have a guest co-host, this is Sarah Bennett, and she's joining me today. Hi. And in the box we have, as always, Travis. What's up, Travis? You having a good week, buddy? I am, how about you? It's been good, it's been busy, but yeah. good. You yeah. know what, we were talking before the show, busy always kind of means fast. When you, uh, it does mean fast. Talk about the week being busy, so it's always a good thing. Also, when I'm busy, I tend to stay out of trouble. So, like, you know, <laughs> idle hands are the devil's playground. I so. don't believe you get in very much trouble at all. <laughs> oh, I man. We, oh, man, we don't know each other as well as we thought we did, maybe. Oh, gosh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Sarah, um, so thank you so much for, for being on today. Yeah. So you, you're a very busy, busy woman. I understand that you, you're very big on social media. I've watched some of your stuff, which I, I really enjoy. Thank and you. an entrepreneur and business owner. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the things you do? Yeah, well, long story short, I own a little clothing store on the Denton Square. Um, it's always been one of my dreams to do that. I actually started out with a health degree, and I did that for a little bit. And, and, and I just careers. changed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I, there's a lot of people that do that. Well, they'll start with one thing, and then they, they realize that that maybe not is what their heart is, yeah. you know, set on. So that's really cool, and also very, you know, brave to yes. completely jump ship and do something different. Starting and, your business is and hard. as you know, I have been in your <laughs> store, and I have bought some of your clothes. I yeah. really do like them. It's mostly. If I remember correctly, it's mostly women's clothes. Yeah, but we definitely yeah, have men's. Yeah. Yes. I, the shirt I bought, I really like. Yes. In fact, I did a post the other day, and I was wearing your shirt. And I meant to tag you. Sorry. I'm gonna go back and do that. But she does have some great clothes. I love your yeah. store. Thank and you. then on social media, so you've been doing that quite a while, right? Yes. Um, I would say I've been a social media influencer probably for about five years. It's awesome. It just now I started making it my own. So. Yeah. And, and you're very popular. I saw your stuff. I was like, wow, like you have like a lot of followers. It's very impressive. Yeah. I know it's. I, I know because I. That's how I started all this was doing on social media. And you know, for for those people who like look at these huge accounts, like it's hard work. Like yeah. it's a grind. It's consistency and putting out good content. And it's very impressive what you've done. And, yeah, I just try to trying to be as authentic as possible. Yeah. I think that's something that. People I, really I do, appreciate. I do too. Like, um, and I, I think about like some of the other plastic surgery people on social media. Um, a lot of it is kind of fakey, you know. Mm -hmm. And I look at some of those and like, uh. But like, I try to like just be myself, you know. Yeah. And whether that's good or bad, I think people appreciate it. Yeah, they definitely so. do. So um, I just want to talk for a little bit about uh, Denton, uh, where your store is, yeah. because I, I I actually grew up in in Louisville, which is the next city down from Denton. But I went to high school in Denton. And uh, I, I consider it like a sort of my hometown, you know, since I graduated high school from there. Right. And I really think that, that that city is a hidden gem in the Metroplex. And it's really grown a lot. It's getting kind of, it's getting kind of yeah. big. Travis, have you been up to Denton? Um, you know what? It's actually, it's been a while since I've been to Denton. Maybe, I would say probably six months. Oh, Denton, it's not too bad. Yeah, Denton and Dallas is like a really like weird distance from each other. It's not too far, but it's not too close either. Yeah. 
You know People, I mean? you know, it, the Metroplex is so funny because it's so spread out, right. you know, and so like when I, I've lived in other big cities in the United States and I, I remember when I lived, I lived in Louisville for a while, I lived in Tennessee, Michigan, and like I remember living in those cities, which are, you know, I mean, Louisville is like 1.5 million. If I had to drive like 10 minutes, I was like, oh my God, I have to drive all the way across town. In the Metroplex, <laughs> like we think nothing about driving, you know, almost 30, an 40, hour. Yeah. yeah, 30 minutes or an hour to like go to dinner. Like it's just yeah. so spread out. But but anyway, I do think that Denton is kind of a hidden gem. Like it's, I, I kind of compare it to like Austin. It's, yeah. it's like a mini Austin. It's very like, um, you know, there are lots of arts, you know, lots of like, you know, places to go out. Mm -hmm. Like in the Denton Square, like for those people who are not familiar with like the square scene. So um, I, I think I brought some uh, some pictures there, uh, Travis. Well, why don't I have a picture of your store? I want to show that. Hey, the there Rose she the is. Door. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And it's in a great location too. Yeah, I, your location little is corner really good. store. Yeah, it's a corner it's store. Um, but yeah, I just drew some pictures. So that's the Denton Courthouse, which is a beautiful architecture building. And then the entire square around it is shops, restaurants, bars. In fact, I, I'm almost, you know, hesitant to say this, but Sarah and I actually met through some mutual friends when we were doing- At Howling Mutt. Yeah, the Howling Mutt. Like yeah. we were doing a, a pub crawl through Denton because yeah. there's so many just really cool, unique places so within walking distance. I think the last time I went to Denton, there was like a, it was either like an ice cream shop or- Yeah, like Beth a, Marie's. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's right there on the yeah. square. Oh, it's man. so good, right? Yeah, really yeah good that's been there since I was in college. Yeah. So like 07, 08. Well, and so many of these places have either, you know, all this rich history and just like this kind of unique character. And I mean, there's literally too many to list within a half a mile radius. Yeah, and something that's like really unique that Denton has is that little a um, little bar Pascal's? Oh my gosh! Yes, I love that. I wish I'd put a picture in there. You know how I describe Pascal's? Because people, I tell people about Pascal's. All, have you? You probably haven't had been to Pascal's, have you, Travis? I've not been to Pascal's. Dude, Pascal's. Number one, it's a speakeasy. There's yes. no signage. Like yeah. you, ha you have to go in almost like this hidden door, and. I describe it as like what Sherlock Holmes's library would look like. Yeah, all their drinks, I swear, are made with smoke. Like every time they're I get so, a drink, like it's every, they're I, like pouring smoke. I know every into time it. you buy a drink there, it's like a it's a production. Yeah, and it's just so cool. It's like couches and books and games. And the only downside to Pascal's is it's small, and so sometimes there's a wait. You have to wait mm -hmm. to get in, which is crazy. So yeah, yeah, I uh, I do think that Denton is kind of a hidden gem. Like I I just really. You know, I do love going out in Dallas. I mean, I travel, you know, I've talked, told you about this. You know, my mm -hmm. wife and I would go out all the time downtown, uptown, you know, design district, Deep Elm, mm -hmm. all that. But, you know, Denton's really kind of its own unique area. I don't think it there's anything is. really like it. Yeah, you know, in the it's a very prosperous square. Yeah. And it's I getting you, busy. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. getting a lot You busier. hit the nail on the head and put it perfect. It's almost like a little mini Austin. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like a little, it's very creative. It's very quaint. It's very, mm -hmm. but it's still big at the same time. Yeah. Like, it's because of those colleges. UNT yeah. became like a really big art. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, UNT, TWU, they have some great colleges there. In fact, my wife actually works at UNT. She's been okay. there for like 10 years. Right yeah, on. she's the executive director for the Student Health Center, um, which uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good job. And, uh, nice. You know, bragging on her, she's the one that helped them kind of get through COVID. Like, she was like their main COVID person, and uh, she was like on the news talking about COVID. Yeah, it was kind of funny, you know, I, I'd be like, you know, sitting somewhere and I get a text, your wife was just on, you know, Channel 4 News talking How about fun. COVID. Yeah, it was kind of cool, but. All right, so uh, anyway, if you, if you live in the Medplex, check out Den. It's a great place. Go to the Rose and Thorn. I love that yeah, place. Yeah, come shopping. Okay, so I want to move on to one of my um, favorite segments, which is the Dr. Herman Plastic Surgery 411. And, and, and what this segment is, is I talk about some topic related to plastic surgery. And I think today's is going to be a little controversial because 
I'm talking about the procedure that's very popular in plastic surgery that I would not let my wife do, and, and nor do I do them in my own practice, and that is the Brazilian butt lift. No, I so, Travis, are you, have you heard about the Brazilian butt lift? I love that picture. I have. I have. You have, so you know about this. Yeah, okay. I have. I have. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very popular surgery these days, and um, it's gaining a lot of popularity um, because uh, it's, it's seen on social media a lot. Like, my feed is just full of, like, befores and afters of Brazilian butt lifts. And then also, there, is, there was a recent article in the New York Post, which I, I, I think I brought a picture of that, Travis. Um, talking about how the increase in the plus-size models are driving these plastic surgery trends. And one of them was Brazilian butt lift, the other being breast augmentation to get these kind of curvy figures. And so, um, I, I honestly, for one, I, I do appreciate that more normal women are becoming models. Like, I, I don't know, like, I mean, you know, like back, I think back in the 90s, early 2000s, like to be a model, you had to look like... Unhealthy. A, yeah, like, yeah, like you were starving, right? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I do appreciate that these more, you know, normal women are getting to be very successful models. And I can't remember a lot of their names. Iskra is one I've seen, and I, I don't want to, like, say their names wrong, so I won't listen anymore. But um, <laughs> do you know any of them? I, there's a ton of them. Like, I see them on there, you know, because my, my feed for social media is a lot of, like, health and beauty. Mm -hmm. Just kind of trying to keep up with what's going on. And um, anyway, so they're gaining popularity. Well, what's happening is, like, would they're gaining popularity? Mm -hmm like certain things like procedures are popping up to help people look like them you right. know and so um so so obviously some people may not know what a brazilian butt lift is they might think that it's like implants or whatever but what a brazilian butt lift is is when you do liposuction in one area and you take out that fat and then you inject it into another area which in this case would be the buttocks area and uh i think i brought a picture of travis uh the, the one the next one I think is me doing doing some fat crafting. I wasn't doing a Brazilian butt lift because I, I just don't like those, and I'm gonna kind of go over those reasons uh, for that. Um, but you know, you look at those post-op pictures on social media, and, and and they do look good. Yeah, here's the picture of all that. Uh, can you see that? That's all fat. Yeah, that's all fat. Uh, wow. That was so. I was doing that for a reconstruction case, which I'll okay. kind of talk about at the end. But yeah, those are all syringes full of fat, and that's the little system that I use to to harvest it. But but I want to talk about some of my concerns with Brazilian butt lift because I'm not sure like that every plastic surgeon is going over some of the potential issues. You know, I, one thing that I do, and I think it's very important when I talk about any plastic surgery procedure to people, is I don't want there to be any surprises. Mm -hmm. And so when there are like downsides to things, I really want to educate patients. Okay, these are some of the things that I'm concerned about. I want to make sure you're aware of them and that you're okay with these potential risks. Right. And so like probably, like one of the first things I think about when Brazilian butt lifts have started to pop up is a lot of the girls that are you know asking for these things are are they themselves not bigger girls right because if they if they were a little bit more curvy girls then they might already have the buttocks that they want so the first issue that kind of pops up is does the patient even have enough fat to mm -hmm. donate to do the surgery and where that becomes even a bigger issue is when fat grafting first came out, which it came out right when I kind of hit plastic surgery in the mid 2000s and it was kind of a new technology, like we really didn't know how to do it the best way. And so we were literally just pulling this fat out and like basically just rinsing it with some saline and tossing it right back in. And what was happening is a lot of that fat would get reabsorbed. It just wouldn't, mm -hmm. wouldn't survive. 
And so as the years went by and technology got better, we learned that there are certain techniques to make this fat survive better. And the one I use is called Revolve. It was one of the pictures that Charles showed earlier. It's basically a machine that the fat goes into and it, it basically washes it and kind of almost centrifuges it. And so the fat that goes into it doesn't look that great, but what you pull out is like, it's almost creamy. It's like very thin, it's not thick or chunky and all the byproducts are taken out. And so when you do that, you get a much higher take of the fat because that was the biggest issue with fat grafting is you inject it, it looked good right away. And then six months later, you know, up to 70% of the fat's gone, mm -hmm. you know, it just didn't survive. But the problem with the processing is you, you, you put in a certain amount and you get much less back. And so the technique I use, which is really, really good, if I put in like a thousand cc's of fat, I only get out like 300, maybe 350. Wow. And so where that becomes a problem is you think about fat crafting of buttocks, like each side could take anywhere from maybe 300 up to, you know, 1200 cc's of fat. And that's just one side, so you gotta have double that. So you think, okay, I need 600 to 2400 cc's of fat. But if you have to multiply that by three, then suddenly you need 2,000 to 7,000 cc's of fat to have the proper amount. And that becomes a problem for two reasons. One, most people don't have that much fat to donate. Right. And two, when you get into the four to 5,000 removal part, of, or 4, 000, four to 5,000 range of fat removed, you start to cause some shifts in the hemodynamics that can potentially be very harmful to people. So I personally, I kind of draw the limit around 4,000 cc's of fat that I'll pull out at one time. You know, a lot of people say 5,000 is safe, um, yeah, but anything over that starts to get a little bit dangerous. And so, um, you know, there is that issue of, of do they have enough fat? Then secondly is the reabsorption. And, you know, I've done a lot of fat grafting. There's probably surgeons out there being like, oh, well, this guy just said not to do fat grafting. No, I mean, I've been doing it since the beginning more for like reconstruction, you know, and mm -hmm. I'll talk about that in a second, but um, the, the issue is the reabsorption because you don't want to go get a surgery and then suddenly six months later, like the results all gone. Yeah. That's... You're going to end up being unhappy, right? Yeah. Uh, and especially if it doesn't reabsorb in the same amounts. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the other issue. And finally, well, not finally, but another issue I have is when you do fat grafting, sometimes that fat will survive but it'll be, it'll, it'll end up being almost scarred or hard and you can kind of feel it, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, cause nobody wants to have, you know, a breast or a buttocks that, that, that doesn't feel normal. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's one thing to look good, but I mean, if it, you know, if you have something hard and you're sitting on it, you know, that becomes a problem. I've had people tell me that, you know, they got a Brazilian butt lift and suddenly it's kind of uncomfortable to sit in wow. certain positions. Right. And, uh, and then lastly, this is probably the big kicker for me. So when you look at plastic surgery, and what is the risk of like the worst outcome, which would be death, mm -hmm. okay? We talked about this in a recent episode that for like your basic plastic surgery, the risk of mortality or death is very, very low, around one in 300,000 surgeries. Mm -hmm. So most plastic surgeons will never have a death, you know, because they, in their career, they wouldn't do that many surgeries. For Brazilian butt lift, the risk of mortality and one of the recent papers that came out was one in 3,000. That's a hundred times more likely to die. And so people will ask, okay, so why is that surgery so dangerous? Well, it, it, it comes down to the fact that when you're injecting fat into someone, if you were to actually get your cannula into a blood vessel and then inject the fat in there, you'll get what's called a fat embolus, which is a very, very lethal problem. Mm. Now it's, it's not common because most of the time, if you go through a blood vessel, just go right through it and then you're not really injecting the fat into it. But with bigger blood vessels, it's, it's more likely. And so, you know, that high mortality rate for me, combined with all these other issues, like 
I'm just not interested, you know. Right. Um, and one thing for me is, fortunately in my practice, I'm pretty busy. I can, to a certain degree, pick and choose what I want to do and still, you know, keep the lights on. Right. And so, you know, when it came out, I was like, okay, this is interesting because I had done the fat grafting for uh, breast reconstruction. And I've done a couple for augmentation. You know, if you get, like, say, a girl that has, like, maybe, like, a large C breast and she only wants to go up to, like, maybe a mid-D, it, it's hard to use an implant to do that because you have to use a tiny implant and they don't fit. Mm -hmm. And so I fat grafted a few breasts, but in that, you're injecting less amount. You need less amount to pull out. And so, um, so yeah, I'll do it for that. But I just never really kind of bought into Brazilian butt lift. And I kind of feel like in the future, it's not going to be as popular. Um, and maybe I'll be wrong. I don't it's know. It's totally a fad, I would say. Like do you think bigger so? butts right now. I don't know. And you're right. So there's that whole part of like, is this just a trend in aesthetics where right. right now people want to have that and suddenly we're back to the 90s where Kate Moss is like the perfect yeah. woman. Yeah, fashion trends yeah. definitely help spear that yeah. along. Now, I, I know that you're like big into working out, right? Yes. Do, do you see, and I used to be in workout, but like I have to say I've been kind of slacking lately and I don't <laughs> like work out as hard as I used to. Um, would you say people in the gyms and the groups that you go to get similar results from working out um, or do you, do you feel like people maybe work out in an effort to try and do that? Like oh, for sure. One of, my, one of my really good friends, she was always super small, like a bean pole. Her legs were so skinny, mm -hmm. all of it. Um, she started lifting weights, doing weight training, and she got bigger. Like yeah. she just, her, leg, yeah, yeah. her legs and her butt, they look great. And it's just from working out, doing yeah. those deadlifts, doing sure. those hip thrusters. And of you know? course that, you know, is dedication to extreme hard work. You yeah, know? You it took a while. You have to be really dedicated to do that. And, and nutrition. It takes time. And yeah, nutrition. nutrition, time, yes. you know, I mean, that's hard to do. Consistent you know, stuff. I know that, you know, people have asked me about, okay, well, can you get the same result from working out? And that's, it's a great question because definitely building muscle does help, you know, increase volume. My only concern with that, you know, if somebody asked me truthfully, can I get the same result, you know, by working out, part of the issue is going to be that, you know, muscle is only part of the volume of your buttocks. And so one concern might be that if you're working out that hard, that you're reducing your fat content because that mm -hmm. does happen, right? Yeah. Genetics, I think, has a lot to do with it. It does. Totally. I, I look at these girls like these kind of curvy models and... You know, and, and maybe some of them had surgery, but like, it, you know, it's hard to tell unless they outright say it. But I think just a lot of them are just genetically shaped like that. Right. You know? I'm, I've always been super athletic build. Mm -hmm. So gaining muscle for me has never been an issue. Yeah. But for my friend, gaining muscle right. was always her issue. Yeah. But she found a way through nutrition and yeah, just being it. consistent sure. and working out. Well, and you know, and that's, it's a conversation that but I But it took years. <laughs> right. Yeah. It takes a long time. And that's a conversation I have with my patients sometimes because not necessarily for Brazilian butt lift, because I, I don't even really see patients for that, but like for other things like tummy tuck, patients will ask me, hey, can I do this on my own? And I'm always upfront with people, like, you know, especially for things like lipo, yes, mm -hmm. if you're coming in just for strict liposuction, you can do that on your own. Yes. It's very hard work, and some people can't do it, and mm -hmm. therefore this is an alternative. And then some things with plastic surgery you can't. Like, I'd say Brazilian butt lift, you know, maybe a little bit, but some things like tummy tuck, where you get like muscles that are spread out that have to be repaired, like, Sometimes surgery really kind of is the only answer. So, but it's an interesting conversation. Right. I don't know. I may catch flack for like you know, poo pooing on the Brazilian butt lift because they are so popular. But, right. But I don't know. Like I just I would feel very concerned if like one of my family members was going to go have one. I would like have to sit them down and like walk them through every potential issue that I feel is 
possible and then be like, okay, you sure you want to do this? Right. You know, I don't know. We'll see. I'm good probably, points. I'm probably going to get some flack off this one. All right, moving on. That was a good conversation. <laughs> Travis, what do you, do you think the Brazilian ball is good? I don't know. It's not that I think it's good or bad. I do think, like she said, like Sarah said, it, it is a fad. You see it a lot on social media You now. think so, too. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are even, like, using it as, like, comedy. Um, for like skits on Instagram. Yeah, TikTok. Yeah, TikTok. Yeah. There's a man that walks around with like literal. It looks like he has like the most obnoxious implants in his like khaki tight shorts, <laughs> oh my and it God. is like it's ridiculous. I seen that. I'm <laughs> yeah. Cool yeah. It up. Social media has made it a fad almost. So we'll yes. see. I, I, you know, I wonder because that's an interesting question. Is it going to like be less popular just because people don't want it anymore because you know the times change? I, I more think that. Like, it's going to eventually, enough people are going to say, oh, well, yeah, I did it, and it was cool at first, but, like, a year later, I'm not sure it was worth it. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. I'm not always right, obviously, but. Okay. So, I, I want to do the next segment on some health and medical news. Because okay. um, there was a really interesting article. I have this buddy, Egmont. He's always sending me this stuff, and, like, it's really, I don't know where he finds it, but, like, it's really good articles. And so, he sent me this thing. And I, I think I, I brought a picture of the article, Charles, and it's, it's basically from the, uh, Development Cell Journal, uh, June of this year, uh, that is a possible cure for hair loss. And it basically involves a signaling, signaling molecule okay. um, called, I'm going to crush this name in a bad way, SCUBE3, S-C-U-B-E-3. I hadn't heard of it. I had to look it up. Okay. <laughs> and basically, this is a signaling molecule that tells the hair cells to produce hair. And they, they did this study in uh, mice, and they basically had, they induced baldness in mice, and they injected this peptide into the, into the tissue, into the skin, and suddenly the mice grew hair. And then further, they grafted human hairs into a mouse that were, that were dormant, mm -hmm. and they got human hair to grow on a mouse, and actually really, like, kind of lush. And it's pretty interesting because uh, whether I'm sure a lot of people don't understand like the kind of the biology between in, in hair loss. And mm -hmm. what it is is when people start to lose their hair, it's not that the follicle dies. Okay, right. I think a lot of people think that the follicle just croaks and it's it's dead. It just goes into a dormant phase. And I, I read a very interesting kind of analogy of when someone goes bald, it's like they have a hundred thousand three D printers on the top of their head that are on and functioning, and they're just waiting for somebody to hit the start button. Uh -huh. That's all it is. Like, they're just waiting for the signal. And this peptide can be the signal, the SCUBE 3. So I read the article, and it's very interesting, honestly. Um, I think that it's something that is definitely going to continue in development, because it's just an animal model now, so they'll have to do human trials and make sure it's safe, and then FDA approval, and it might be, you know, five years before you ever hear about this again. Yeah. But it is very interesting that, you know, something that can be synthesized could, you know, either be injected or maybe something topical that would, you know, cause people to completely reverse baldness. And so I always like to hear about that. You know, I've, I've been amazed in my career with some of the advances, like, now, like in medicine. I'm not going to lie, Dr. Herman, when you were saying that the mice were injected and they, they had this long, like, lush hair, 
the first thing that popped in my head was like rock star hair. Like, <laughs> like, I, like Jared Leto or somebody. I <laughs> wish I had a picture of the mice. I'm going to look yeah. for it. Yeah, I, I did some research. Or, you know, of course, me, I'm always like digging, trying to find more information. I, they didn't have any pictures of the mice. but yeah. that was I, I literally pictured a little mouse with a little wig on. Oh, my God. That's an opportunity. Like a mullet. That would be cute. Yeah. That would be adorable. Jason uh, Momoa mouse. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, all right, I got some homework. I'm going to try and find a picture of these mice because I, yeah, when I was looking this up, I was like, you know, trying to pull it up, but yeah, I didn't find the mice, but I'm gonna go and dig deeper. See if there's like some black market pictures of these mice with like the rock star hair. I can imagine like 80s hair, yeah. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I think that's a very interesting study. And so it kind of got me thinking about, you know, I mean, baldness is a huge problem for people, um, you know, both, you know, more men, but also for women. And so I just want to talk a little bit about like, okay, this isn't available yet, but like what treatments are, are out there? And so uh, I, one of the first things that you know you might consider, and I started kind of started at the lower rung, right? I don't want to jump in to go have surgery, right? Because mm -hmm. if you can solve a problem that's with a simple method, it's always easier. And so I started looking at some of the supplements, and there is one nowadays that's very popular. It's Nutrafol, uh, and I, you know, I brought a picture of it here. And um, it's been around for, for for years, and this is a kind of an all-natural supplement. It's not a prescription. And uh, I, I looked into it. I've known about it for a while, but I did you know a little bit more research into it. And it's actually a pretty good supplement. Like I was. Looking, it is. I've worked with them before. You have for so, social media. Yeah. You have. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. So um, now, did you did you take the product, or did you have someone you know take the product? I took it um, just because I've always wanted to have thicker hair. Okay. My hair's always been naturally thin. Mm -hmm genetically so yeah. it's just I have how it goes. Thing, I have very fine hair. But. Yeah, th like every time I go, you know, get to my hair cut, they're like, your hair's really fine, but yeah. it's cool because I'm always like, am I going bald? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Oh, yeah, I know. That's like the pure Am I losing hair? Right? Yeah. Getting you, older. Like, look at, you're counting them in like the drain in the shower. Yeah. Like, wait, is that too many? Yeah. So, okay, so you took it for a while. Did, did you notice difference? I did. I like to play around with different supplements. I think I told you a while back that I take collagen too. Right. Okay. I just like pour it in my coffee and mm -hmm. that's good for, it's supposed to be good for your hair and nails and sure. stuff yeah, like that. Right. It's one of the building blocks. Yeah. Right. So I do, I play around with stuff like that, but I'm really bad at being consistent. Okay. So yeah. I, I did read about the Nutrafol. You do have to be consistent yes. with it. So, so, but you say you have a positive experience. Yes. Okay. Well, I want to just kind of briefly talk about it because it is very popular. It, it has a few ingredients and they're all natural and, and basically what they do, and I'm not going to go through this extensive list, but what it does is it, it, it helps cut down those hormones that cause these hair follicles to, to become like go deactivated. To sleep. Yeah, yeah, to go to sleep, right? Yeah. It's DHT is the one, the main one that causes these hair follicles to kind of go to sleep. And so it has like these all natural uh, ingredients that help to bring that down. Also, it helps uh, regulate your cortisol, which is your stress hormone. You know, stress causes your hair to thin, start thin to lose hair. So it has an ingredient for that. It also has lots of nutrients, both for the hair follicles themselves and the scalp, which, mm -hmm. you know, promotes healthy, you know, a healthy environment for hair to grow. And lastly, it has antioxidants and anti-inflammatories, which, which can also cause hair loss. So it has a lot of products in it that, you know, you would think would help your hair be stronger, fuller. For me, I'm always about show me the research, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's your first show with me, but like in all the past episodes when we talk about stuff, it's like, okay, what does the research show? And there actually is a study out there that looks at Nutrafol. It's from the Journal of Drugs and Dermatology from 2018. And in fact, I know one of the doctors, uh, Sophie, uh, I think Keegan or Kogan, sorry, Sophie, if I butchered your last name, uh, that's, that's one of the authors of the paper. 
And it uh, was a randomized trial, which means it's a good trial. There's different like levels of right. how good research is. And it did show that there was significant improvement in hair growth with a continued use of the product. And so um, it does have the research to back it up. So uh, for supplements, I do think it's a good thing. It has a little bit of a cost to it. You know, I think that if anything, that might be the downside. But I think that you know you can get it cheaper nowadays. I didn't go a whole lot of digging, for, like you know how much it costs. Um, but I mean, all those supplements cost money. It's right. not like any of them are cheap. So it's in the ballpark of, of all of them. And, and just on a side note, I do know the uh, CEO uh, Roland Peralta and and Sophie and Giorgio's. Uh, I actually met them in Vegas one time, and this is like when they were kind of a young company, and they're really great people. Like, just on a side note, you know, because that doesn't really talk about the product, but it, you know, it's a good product, and they're good people. So, yeah. Um, so I want to move on to some of the uh, like more prescription drugs because okay. that would be more of a supplement, and uh, I'm sure Travis, have you heard of the two big ones for hair loss? I hate to put you on the spot. If you don't know, I'm sorry. I have not. You I have not. haven't? Okay, all right. I think like it may be like Rogaine. Yeah, it's it. You got it, buddy. Yeah, Rogaine is Nailed it, right. I don't know the other one. So there's two big <laughs> prescription drugs out there. Uh, Rogaine's the uh, uh, the proper name, the, the trade name. Well, no, it's a trade name. The, the generic name is Minoxidil. Okay. Okay, so Minoxidil is kind of an interesting pro product because it was created for something else. and It was found that it actually caused hair to grow. And the mechanism action is a little unknown, which is interesting. It's, it's kind of one of those products that cause, and it causes the side effects, and, and we're not 100% sure why it is. And so basically, it's something you put on your scalp. It's a prescription, and it, uh, it has research that backs it up. And so when people use minoxidil regularly, two out of three, so around 60 65% of people, had either good or very good growth of hair. Mm -hmm. And so it does work, it's got the research. Um, it does have one potential side effects, which is to cause irritation of your scalp. So there's that. Um, it is something you have to use twice a day, which I'm always thinking about these things, so I'm thinking about products, you know. Do you have to use it like forever? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's a great question. The very first question people should ask is, do you have to keep using it? And the answer mm -hmm. is yes. Like if you, if you use it and you get results and you quit using it. Does you, your hair just like fall out? Yeah, start to fall out. Yeah. Wow. It will, absolutely. That's the only downside to some of these things is, you know, it's, that's why, you know, and I think even that very first one, that peptide thing, you would have to get repeat. Like, you know, it's, so I guess maybe it's not a cure. It's like a, a treatment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a treatment that can be permanent if, yeah. if you keep using it. So, so there's minoxidil. The other one is finasteride. That's a generic name or Propecia. Um, and this is a pill that you take, and we know how this one works. It actually stops the conversion of testosterone to DHT. Okay. DHT is that product which tells those cells to turn off. And um, of all of the treatments, looking at the research, Propecia is the best. Um, there was a research paper, big paper done about that. And in that paper, it's anywhere from 83 to 90% of people had either a stopping of baldness and or a restoration of their hair. Nice. And so I actually have personal experience with this, like being you know fully transparent. So when I was like kind of in my 20s, I noticed that I was starting to you know lose my hair a little bit. My dad was bald, my grandparents were bald. And so I started taking finasterides in I think 2005. And so Travis, I have a picture. I dug up some pictures. So the top picture there is me in around 2005. And you can see that like my hairline's not great, yeah. you know? And then in the bottom picture, that's me like a few years ago, my daddy-daughter dance. Like I, I use it because the hairline, you can see 
Clearly, yeah, you can. It's much better, right? And even on camera, like now, you can see that my hair's pretty good. Right. And I, you know, if I was losing my hair that much in my mid twenties, if I hadn't started taking it, I'd probably be completely bald now. Right. You know. Now there are there are some downsides to finasteride, which they're they're kind of minor. They're side effects. Now, I personally have had none of them because okay. that was the big thing when people talk about Propecia and finasteride. It's like, are you going to have side? So the side effects are possibly depression, which I've never noticed. Uh, decrease in sexual drive, which I never noticed, and erectile dysfunction, which I never noticed. Well, now, good. Yeah, I know, right? You look For your at those, wife. Yeah, I know, right? You look at those, you're like, geez, I don't know if I want to take this drug. Yeah. Uh, th th that's really it, though. It's not like, you know, risk of death or anything like that. So, like, you know what? I'm going to try it. And I had zero side effects. And uh, I actually went and talked to a urologist after a few years because, like, okay, I've been taking this forever now. Is that, like, bad? And you're all just like, no. Actually, it's protective for things like prostate cancer. So there are actually some other benef benefits from it. In fact, it that drug was designed to, to treat increased prostate, or enlarged prostate. Oh, like so it's like a, is, a, is the pill like, not specifically designed for men, but is it geared towards mostly like a it was. demographic? It was, yeah. it was created for enlarged prostates. Okay. Right? And so, but they noticed that the people that take it got their hair back. Wow. It's crazy, right? It's like, there's a lot of drugs like that. that they were created for one thing and then they figured out, you know what other ones like that? Viagra. Viagra was created as a blood pressure medication. Wow. And then people found, you know, they said, well, do you have any other symptoms? Like, yeah, I keep getting these erections that I couldn't get. <laughs> and so, like, Viagra was created the same way. So What an awkward thing to go to your doctor about. I know, right? Well, now so, that you can, I have like, a problem. Yeah, I have a problem. It's, it's kind of like a, you know, anyway. Uh, so, those are the medications. And lastly, there is surgery for hair loss. Um, I've actually done some of these surgeries. This does fall in the realm of plastic surgery, which is hair transplants. Mm -hmm. um, also, dermatologists can do them. Uh, and I did some when I was in training, because you know when you're in training for plastic surgery, you do a little bit of everything, right? And there's some things that you'll end up not doing. Like, I don't do nose jobs anymore, and I don't do the hair transplants. But they are pretty good surgeries. I think I brought a picture. Now, this picture is courtesy of Bosley Hair Restoration. Now, Bosley's been around forever. Yes. Like, decades. Like, the original Dr. Bosley is, like, uh, I think he might have passed away, but he he's, like, from 40 years ago. Oh, I remember and, watching commercials. Yeah, the commercials, right? Yeah, you see him on TV. So this is a pretty good representation. So the way they do the surgery is there are certain areas of your of scalp which you will not lose your hair even if you go bald sides in the back so what you do is you take a strip of hair out of that area where the hair will not will go bald mm -hmm. and you actually cut those hairs into individual hair follicles and then you you implant them into the area that you do go bald and just like you know fat grafting you plug those things in and your body like just accepts them and right. they take and it actually works very well and I, I will say it's a very, one of the reasons I didn't like it, it is the most meticulous surgery ever. And I, so there's a lot, so that's funny in plastic surgery, a lot of surgeries you consider artistic and some are more meticulous. I'm much more lean towards the artistic stuff. Yeah. So like just kind of the monotony of slicing up hairs and injecting them, I was like. Sounds very tedious. Very <laughs> tedious. Like the other thing is like microsurgery, which is part of plastic surgery, I never really liked because it was just so tedious. I'm more like, I wanna make something beautiful, you right. know? So, um, so I, I don't do the hair transplants anymore. I, I never did them really outside of training, but, but they do work pretty well. So nice. anyway, so that's a nice kind of recap, you know, baldness is a big problem for people. And, you know, as somebody who was starting to like go through it, like it, it's psychologically, 
you know, yeah, harmful. It, definitely. Right? And I don't think a lot of people know that there are some great treatments out there, mm -hmm. you know, whether you want to do the supplement route, like Nutrafol, or you want to do like some of the prescription drugs, or, you know, if you want to go the route of surgery, I would tell people that want to get it treated that it's best to start early. Like if I'd gone completely bald and then I started doing these things, I probably wouldn't have. Yeah, prevention is key. Yeah, with I, anything. was an ounce of prevention's worth a pound of cure. Yeah, right. One thing, Dr. Yeah. Herman, so yeah. it, it's funny that you, we are having this conversation. Last week, I went to the barbershop, right? Okay. And my barber was telling me that another client was using Rogaine yeah. on his face. So, like, on his face? For his beard. He was saying basically. <laughs> his beard? <laughs> yes. Oh my what, God. He, what he does is he takes, like, a roller. I guess there's a, a roller with, like, these little pins in them. Okay. He takes the roller and then he rolls his face and then he puts, the, like, the Rogaine on his face. And it helps his beard, I guess, grow. I'm not sure if that wow. if there's any scientific support for that, but that's another like use for, I guess, the Rogaine. Wow, that's very interesting. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, he DIY'd that. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look into that. I haven't heard Absolutely. of people using it like on their face, but yeah. okay. Lastly, last segment is the NipTuck 911, and so. Uh, I saw a really interesting article in Huffington Post, and it was talking about everyone's obsession with policing celebrities for plastic surgery. It's something that uh, has gotten a lot of popularity due to social media. I, I, I know I was asking you, Sarah, about this. Uh, Travis, have you, on your social media feeds, do you see these people that are looking at these different celebrities and trying to guess what plastic surgery they have. Oh, absolutely. All yeah, it's like really common, right? Yeah, who had a nose job, yeah. who got their lips done, or so anything like So there was this really kind of interesting article on Huffington Post about that, and it was basically talking about like, why is this so popular, right? And they were kind of digging into it, which I thought was pretty interesting. And so um, I think a lot of it is, and they were just kind of saying the same thing, is that celebrities are a little secretive about it. Like they don't want to talk about it. And so like their fans are left like guessing, you know, have these people had, had surgery or not? And so um, also too, you know, you look at these celebrities, you know, they look so great. And you're like, you're wondering like, do they just look this great naturally? Or like, what are they doing? People want to like, you know, kind of do what they do. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why these kind of videos have like gotten really popular. And it's not just plastic surgeons doing it. Yeah. There's, there's like nurses doing it. There's like estheticians. I think that this whole, like the whole unattainable beauty standard, they're trying to like just cut that and, you know, make it to where like these are normal people and they're getting plastic surgery just right. like any normal person if they're not happy with their nose, their lips. Right. And if they're not happy, they're trying. They're just trying they're to make themselves happy. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And there's nothing wrong with that, really. Totally nothing wrong with that. You know, the one kind of critique that this article was talking about, and there was actually this plastic surgeon that was kind of like being harsh on celebrities, which I was like, oh wow. Um, he was basically saying that his concern, which I kind of agree, is that some celebrities will go and do procedures, like say liposuction, mm -hmm. and then they'll go and tell their fans, oh, I look this good because I like work out. And then yeah. people will get these unrealistic expectations. There's a story about Kylie Jenner. She has, she did like a whole like lipstick, uh, or she still has that company. And mm. there was like this whole big thing about her lips and everybody thought that um, they were her real lips and they weren't. And she, she was telling people that her lips were just overlined with uh, Right, she was telling people liner. that the product would make her yeah. lips look like that when really she'd had fillers. Yes. Yeah, I mean, see, and that's where I kind of agree with this guy who was, you know, he was being a little harsh saying, yeah, well these celebrities need to be honest with people because 
one, people are getting these false expectations. And what happens sometimes, you know, they would come into him and, you know, have these expectations and procedures based on what celebrities were saying that was not correct, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then also it's deceptive, right? I mean, if Kylie Jenner is, like, getting money, you know, saying that this product... Her company is doing just fine. Really? Yeah, I have a, I have her, some of her lip gloss. Oh, do you? I <laughs> yeah. think it's because she was just like, yes, okay, I have lip fillers, like... Oh, she did. She, she ended up saying. She, that, yeah. Oh, okay. So she ended up saying she did have lip. Fillers. Yeah, I think it was just at the beginning when she first started, because I think she got lip fillers like right when she turned eighteen. Did she? Yeah, because she's pretty young. Isn't her company like a billion dollar company? Yeah. At this point now, like yeah, yeah. she's like oh, she's rolling in it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Absolutely. That's crazy, Makeup. man. That's her. That's her Kylie thing. Jenner. We need to start the Nip Talk makeup line, <laughs> or maybe like a line of bras. I don't know. Like, look at what we All right, we're gonna we'll put that. We'll put a pin in that. We'll come yeah. back to what product we make. So the other thing was asking is, you know, are these videos harmful? And so, like, the first thing is like, well, what is the effect on the celebrities? You know, I don't know. Like, I not to be like cold, but like, I mean, if you're a celebrity, you you have to expect that people are gonna critique you, right? I mean, that's. It's one of the downsides, you know, it comes along with fame, right? People are going to look at you and, you know, possibly criticize you. So I, I don't know, like, I mean, I, I, I don't get super concerned about that. But, you know, one of the, uh, the potentially problem, two problems is that, you know, you sometimes get people who see these celebrities and they want to mimic them. Mm -hmm. And so they'll go and seek out procedures. Like what we were just talking about, the Brazilian butt lift, right? They look at someone like Kim Kardashian and then they want to go do a procedure to look like that. And I mean, to a certain degree, that's fine, I guess. But like, I mean, it can become problematic, I think, you know, when patients like possibly can't get a safe result, you know, and they yeah. just keep pushing the envelope. Like they're getting more and more lip filler or more and more surgery. It becomes like an obsession. Yeah, it becomes an obsession, right? Yeah, because you know? like the fact of the matter is, is like if they are trying to look like Kim Kardashian, they're never going to right. look like Kim Kardashian because it's... Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe you can like get something similar, but yeah. like you know, it can be it can become you know pathologic where they're just trying to like so hard definitely to people. You know, and the other thing too is like there was some comments about like is this causing causing body dysmorphic disorder in people where you know they um, are they look at these things and they think okay well you know I'm never going to look that good you know and does that have a harmful effect and I mean I think that that there's probably some truth to that but I mean that that was that happens even long before you know these these plastic surgery things came about like you know all the models and the magazines self-image yeah. yeah it's always been an issue yeah, for sure issue. Um, so you know I the other question I kind of wanted to like go over is okay do I do these things and, and and really I don't like I mean not to the degree that a lot of these people do because I mean for one I, I think it's a little you know kitschy like it's like you know it's Kind of a fad, and like I don't want to be that guy that's just jumping on some fad. Now I will say that when there have been some we've looked at, and I think you know we looked at Courtney Cox at one time, and um, you know there's people who said, okay, I had plastic surgery and I was unhappy with it, and so I felt like that was more of an educational thing. Like we mm -hmm. could look at their picture that they were unhappy with and say, okay, you know why were they unhappy? Did they do things that you know maybe was too much? You know, so I'll do like educational stuff, but like you know I don't know some of it I just like eh, I'm not interested and kind of going down that road of... Yeah, I mean, I personally, I've had a breast, breast implants and a lot of people have asked me, like, do I regret getting them, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And my answer's always been no, yeah. but that's because like, I never really had an issue with how I looked. Like right. I was like, 
Yeah. I just want them. Right, yeah, exactly, right. It's not because I don't yeah. think I look good, it's just because yeah. and that's the, I think it'll make me feel good. That's the proper so cool. attitude to go into it, you know, like, yeah. um, you know, if people like, although I'll say some people come in, they'll have some like really concerns about themselves, and you'll do surgery and they'll feel better, but like, you know, you have to be careful where people are just overcritical of themselves, because then you'll do surgery and they, they, they won't. No matter what they yeah, do. No matter what they do, yeah, that's the body dysmorphic disorder. Yeah. That's the other thing that does bother me kind of on this trend, and we had an episode where we talked about this, is I don't like when either plastic surgeons or estheticians will pop up some, you know, beautiful celebrity and say, this is what I want to do to this person. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I just, I don't know. I just think that's kind of wrong um, for a couple reasons. One, yeah. it, I just think it's wrong, even for celebrities who I think should be, you know, it's definitely be, distasteful. It's sure. distasteful, right? Yeah. It's just not professional. And then the other thing that I don't like about it is the average person looking at that video of this beautiful celebrity, like there was the girl from Stranger Things and then Paulina Porvoskova just had this happen to her. She's like a supermodel from like the 80s. Um, and so there's these beautiful people and some expert, in quotes, is saying, oh, this person needs this treatment, that treatment, that treatment. I think that sends a wrong message, you know, because yeah. the average person can look that, at that celebrity and be like, that person's beautiful, like, I'm, I'm screwed, right? Like, if they need all that, then it's hopeless for me. Yeah, it's feeding into that, un yeah. that unattainable beauty standard. Right. Yeah, so I don't like when people do that. Like, yeah. we, we, we did a little segment on that, I found a few episodes back, which is kind of interesting. So, anyway, I think it's a good topic, though. Yeah. So, Travis, I think it's about the time uh -huh. we go to the Q&A. Absolutely. Do we Absolutely. have any? Do we have any cues today? We do. We, we do. do. We that makes me happy. So uh, Nikki asks, "What is the ideal age to start Botox and fillers? Any recommended preventative maintenance um, for getting Botox and fillers, or before getting Botox?" Oh, and before fillers? you. Okay. So two part. All right. So this is a very common question, um, and it's it can be a little complex. So I'm interested because interested? I oh, now, I've talked about getting. Some, uh, have you used Botox before? No, uh, we're gonna have to talk. Yeah, <laughs> well, you might learn something from this. So, so <laughs> I, I, I have said this before like, I truly believe that Botox is like the lowest hanging fruit of making yourself look young, you know. Uh -huh. Um, because one of the things that makes people look aged very quickly are the wrinkles here, your frown lines, your mm -hmm. forehead lines, and your smile lines, okay. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the first things that make people look older. And so if you use Botox, which paralyzes your muscle, you can literally never develop those. And my, my wife is like the perfect example of that. Like my you know, wife has been using Botox for 15 years and she doesn't have a wrinkle on her face and we're in our you know, late 40s. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. And so I, I think that if you really wanna be proactive, people should start using Botox around 30. Because there's very few like 20 year olds that are, that are starting to develop the lines but when you get into your 30s, you'll start to see people getting these passive lines that mm -hmm. make them look more aged. So um, I'm, I'm never that person that tells people, oh, you need to go get this or that. But I mean, if you ask me straight out, when's a good idea to get Botox? Around 30. Now, fillers is a different question because for one, fillers can be used for two different things. Like I get a lot of girls in their 20s that want lip filler just to look a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And I think that's totally fine. I mean, that's their call to do it. Um, but like doing it to increase or to make you look more young, like here in your folds here or here, that's more something people do in their maybe 30s or 40s. So, and then preventative trellis, um, probably the best thing is skincare, you know, staying out of the sun, you know, using good skin products, that does make a difference. So, Absolutely. thanks Nikki for that question. Thank you. Absolutely. You got any others? We have and time then, for one more? Yeah, we do. One more. Dwight 
Uh, Dwight, my buddy Dwight. Yeah, Dwight like Crownover. He yeah. says, when doing a fat grafting instead of breast implants, what is the percentage of fat lost during the healing process? Yeah, excellent question. And one of the most important things when I, I go over and talk about fat grafting. So if you properly process the fat, which I always do with mine, I have a really good system, which I think is one of the best, you can expect to keep about 80%. That's a good number. Yeah. So what I normally do when I do fat crafting is I overshoot my result, okay? If I wanna get a result that's this big, I'll actually make it this big. I mean, if you can see that in the picture. Um, I, I go a little bit over knowing that they're gonna lose some. Now, that does leave a little bit of unpredictability. Mm -hmm. And so when I have patients that wanna do an augmentation via fat crafting, I very clearly explain that there is a possibility that it may not be perfect, right. which is fine. I mean, the, the classic saying for breasts is that breasts should be sisters, not twins. Mm -hmm. It's very common for great breasts to look slightly different one to the other. So a little bit of difference is okay. But with implants, you, you have more control. So when I have people that want to talk about doing fat grafting, I always go over, okay, this is a possible thing that can happen. Now, if somebody goes and does fat grafting improperly, I mean, you could lose up to 75% of the fat. Mm -hmm. you know? And we talked about that when we were talking about the BBLs. Yeah. That fortunately, with breasts, you don't need as much. You know, for, remember we talked about you know, butts, you need 300 to 1,200. When I do fat grafting for breasts, I, I do anywhere from like, you know, as low as like you know 50 if it's spot for reconstruction maybe 100 150 for a small augmentation but probably never more than two or three hundred so you can get away with it right because right. you have plenty of fat and you know injecting less kind of decreases some of the problems that might pop up and so it's not my favorite thing to do for augmentation but it does have its uses so. nice Travis, are we about out of time yeah i think that's about the time we have for the day all right well it was a good episode today yeah i had yeah. fun Thanks. Thank you so much, Sarah, for no coming. Problem. Maybe you could come back sometime. For sure. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for watching Nip Tuck this week. Uh, Nip Talk, sorry. Uh, we will have uh, some great topics coming up next week, already working on. It's going to be some interesting stuff. Travis, thank you for no your issue. great job as always. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>